Welcome to the Onyx Podcast. I'm this week's host, Dixie Cochran, here with Eddie Webb. Hello. And Matthew Dawkins. Nello. Nello, Matthew. Nello. Have we ever explained that joke on the podcast? I'm fairly certain we have, but who knows? One episode blends into another. Time (laughs) is a flat circle, etc., etc. But uh, to anyone not a no of the Nello, it's uh, in the NES game, not NES, apparently. uh, Farzanadu, sometimes mispronounced. (laughs) Faxanadu. The first several times you said that, by the way, because I hadn't played it, I thought you were saying far Xanadu because you're British and so ah. you don't say R usually. Would you say fair Xanadu? No, 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 no. I just thought that you were just saying far Xanadu in your accent and then I finally saw the name uh, of it and I was like, oh, it's fa Xanadu. It's literally yes. called that. Okay. Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, they've. Uh, it's a kind of side-scrolling role-playing, uh, role-playing game. A bit like uh, Link, the second Zelda game. And uh, occasionally you'll get dialogue boxes popping up. And the typeface that they use for these Mm -hmm. dialogue boxes is such that H's, capital H's, come across as capital N's. Yep. And uh, therefore, whenever people greet you in this game, they greet you with Nello. Which, (laughs) as far as I'm concerned, has entered the vocabulary of the world of Farzanadu. That is just how they greet each other. That's (laughs) likewise how I greet people now. Yeah, that, that's that's also entered the vocabulary of the entire Onyx Path team, because we all do it on the Monday meeting call. Yeah. Yes. And, and the Pathcast. So the official greeting of Onyx Path uh, from this day forth will be Nello. I expect you to say that whenever you meet us at conventions, if conventions are a thing we ever have again. I've heard um, conventions. What are those again? I don't remember. It's It's been years since I went to a convention. I haven't I haven't been to a convention since I was 22 at this point. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that said, speaking of uh, dodgy translations, um, uh, uh, at some point in October, I'm going to do a little bit of streaming myself because Matthew did this on a Twitch stream. It's how we just all started. Yeah. Um, and, and I have found another one called uh, Seguro, which is a um, tabletop role-playing game on NES where you actually roll dice to move around a board to fight creatures and they roll dice to attack them. Like, I think the I've seen this game. Um and the translation is inspired. So I'm yeah. looking forward to playing that online. Yeah. It, it, it's so funny. Like every now and then playing games, you know, I, I, I find typos for a living. So mm-hmm. if there is a typo in a game, I will find it. And oh, yeah. uh, I always point them out to my boyfriend if I like find one in a game that we're both playing. I'm like, I'm like, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. It changes the meaning entirely. Ha ha ha. It's just my own amusement. I'm not like mad about it. I understand that like there are typos in books I've edited, so no one's perfect, you know. No, it's similar. Um, um, uh, my wife uh, Michelle, before she became scrum master, she used to work at QA at CCP. Mm. Um, and several once in a while she'd play a video game, and she'd be like, "God damn it!" She explained like some typo or some problem thing. I was like, "Let me guess, you're filing a bug right now?" And she's like, "No, type, 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 uh, the first one I remember discovering was probably the first Metal Gear that I played, which was, again, on the NES. I didn't have an MSX. I think that was regional exclusive to Japan. But Metal Gear had some fantastic Japanese-to-English translations, like The Truck Have Started to Move. That's a fairly right. well-known one. Uh, and just dialogue that really makes very little sense or has been so literally well has been transliterated so you have someone saying 
I am falling asleep. And then when the Zeds start coming out of the head, it says, I am asleep. I said, well, you know, that you, you, it probably in the Japanese had something like, I'm feeling sleepy. Right. And then but... just, zzz. but it's, uh, yeah, very, very literal in the English uh, translation. But I remember enjoying it. It's like in, uh, in Link, you have someone who introduces themselves as, I am error. <laughs> right. Uh, I was just reading about that, and there's another person named Bug. So apparently, it's actually meant to be kind of a ga- a programmer gag, but uh, it doesn't. The context is completely weird, and so this is, look, looks it looks like a problem. Yeah. I think that my favorite translation thing was uh, the old uh, Super Famicom fighting baseball game. I'm assuming y'all are familiar with that. Are oh, you? Is, yeah. is that the one with the uh, the roster names? <laughs> Yes, yes. It's got it's got all the American in air quotes names. Oh, right. And it's stuff like, you know, Onsen Sweeney, Daryl Archidild, Carl <laughs> Dandleton, yes. Mike Sarandes. <laughs> like n- n- they they got some real first names in there, but all the last names are like what? Bob Bobson Dugnut. <laughs> Mike Truck. <laughs> that, 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 that does sound like a blue-collar American hero who needs to appear and they came from beneath the sea. So. No, that's my, that's my NWE character, Mike Truck, the fighting American. He's totally a big wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, they were all freaking great. I, I loved it. Um, Bobson, Bobson Dugnut is probably my favorite. But Bobson yeah, they just made up all these, you know, fake American names. And I mean... Honestly, it's similar to what somebody who was making out Japanese names with no knowledge of Japanese would probably do, you know? Yeah. They would make up words that sounded vaguely Japanese, and then they'd be like, yeah, we don't, yeah. But now we have the internet, so we can Google these things. Right. And and the other end, though, um, because fan translations, they don't have a time schedule, you know, they can kind of do things, whatever. They they come up with a spectrum. Um, But um, I just start playing... um, or I mean, I'm in the process of, of, of getting ready to play uh, The Great Ace Attorney, which was the um, Japanese yeah. Ace Attorney game that featured Sherlock Holmes, so of course I'm playing it. Um, but Scarlet Study uh, did a translation of it, um, and it, I, I've watched videos of it so far, and it is amazing. Yeah? Um, like, uh, not only do they, they do it all in British English um, to make cool. to reflect, you know, the fact that they're going to London, um, but also at one point in time, uh, in the early case, uh, they re- they, they meet Russian sailors who are speaking English. And so they actually consulted with Russians and, and figured out ways to reflect the actual cadence that Russians who are still learning English, you know, the words they drop and how they rephrase things. Right. Um, so it's like real deep dive. And like I found zero typos in the two hours I've watched so far. Um, so maybe later on there might be typos, but um, the videos I've seen so far, it, it, it's been very polished and, and very, very clever. Um, awesome. So it, it, it's interesting to see the, the, the two levels of, of like, I am error translation, <laughs> and then much more modern uh, uh, fan, and even professional translations. Um, like even the professional Ace Attorney games are usually really, really good for how much text they have. Um, there's yeah. very few errors. So, cool. That's exciting. It is. But that's anyway. not what we're talking about today. By the way, no, um, we're not yes, here to talk about. <laughs> on to talk to us about video game translations. That's the topic today. We invited people on. What well, are you I talking mean, about? I mean, I, I I ruined it. I spoiled everything. I'm sorry. <laughs> As you probably good. Yes, Matthew. I was going to say it's all right, Eddie. As I often point out, people I think come into this podcast with their eyes open. They can see the title. They know what they're getting in for, for better or worse. I don't think anyone was fooled into thinking this was going to be a typo-based episode. So we will save that. <laughs> 
We will save that for a future uh, You don't know yet what I've titled the episode? I have I, a feeling. <laughs> Talking typos you... with Matthew and Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what um, our guests' nicknames are going to become, the typos. Man, I want to start a podcast called Talking Typos. That's just fun to say. Talking Typos. Talking Typos. We can have Taco Tuesdays and Talking Typos. Typo Tuesday. Typo Tuesday. <laughs> yes. Does that mean that I don't have to work on Tuesdays? Because it's no. the day for typos? No, you have to introduce typos into text. Uh, so I have to make my work harder. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like Typo Tuesday anymore. <laughs> I'm canceling it. Justify your existence by making your work harder. <laughs> I always love it when I find, like, you know, when, you, when you're writing, when you're, when you're typing, it's, it's, it's easier to make typos. Obviously, that's where they come from. And like when I write, I make as many typos as other people do for the most part. I often catch them, um, but sometimes I just straight up don't. And Mm -hmm. I I remember, I I think it was in Pirates of Pugmire. I think I said something in Miles and I meant it to be er, like, I like wanted it to be Mile. And I think I wrote Mule somehow because you and I are next to each other, I guess. (laughs) And of course, since the, you know, autocorrect didn't catch it, I didn't catch it. And then I found it later and just kind of quietly fixed it and re-uploaded my draft. And uh, I've had that happen a, a couple times where I'll like be rereading something that I wrote, you know, two months ago and I haven't looked at since. And I'm like, yep. how the hell did I do that? Yep. Like, oh, yeah. Come on, Dixie. What was the... We will get to our guests at some point, I'm sure. But what was the uh, the famous or infamous typo that came through an editor's find and replace i may be misremembering this i'm fairly certain eddie knows this story about oh this when is the, mages um, were changed to wizards uh yeah. was it when d with the edition change for dungeons and dragons it was the d it was D rules compendium specifically. yes yeah that was it so yeah the way i understand it is that it referred a great deal, of course, to mages, because mages are, or were a prominent class in 2nd edition D&D. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. After they were referred to as magic users, and before they were referred to as wizards. And because the decision was made for 3rd edition that mages would now be called wizards, uh, the editor decided, well, this is an easy change. I'll just yep. essentially control an H, the word mage, with wizard. Boom. Done. Every reference to mage changed to wizard. And unfortunately, also, it's going to change, like, image and stuff, yeah, right? Uh, yeah, there were quite a lot. And damage. Damage was the... Damage. The, the, the wizard. The wizard. Yeah, the, the, wizard. Wizard, the wizard appears quite a lot in that in the first edition of that book I'm given to understand. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. So... We recently... Uh, one of our books that's that's going out right now uh which has not been edited yet so it'll be fixed but uh, one of the writers i think found and replaced their hyphens with an m dash with spaces around them but that meant that all the actual hyphenated words (laughs) now have an m dash with spaces around them and like it's such an easy mistake and it's such an easy fix like i i I wouldn't even be, be, be mad about it it was just funny because yeah find find replace is rarely your friend it can be your friend um if if you see that there are you know straight quotation marks when you want squiggly ones great find replace those shits but like for a lot of times like you don't realize what other words contain the word you're looking for (laughs) so unless that's a really unique word like you you don't want to use that like i um 
it is it is tempting in Vampire the Masquerade books to change all instances of the word venture to venture. Oh no, um, don't do it. But then there's words <laughs> but then there's words like adventure <laughs> that you might want to use, or somebody might venture a guess at something, and then you've you've just ventured everything up. <laughs> I venture a guess. That that is the kind of thing that some obnoxious Ventru would say. Oh. A Ventru private investigator would walk into Elysium, <laughs> raise one eyebrow, and say, "I Ventru a guess that the murderer." <laughs> oh my god! I want to play a punny Ventru. Oh my god! Okay, we do have guests today uh, who will <laughs> probably add to our hilarity. Uh, I, I am told these guests know a whole bunch about vampire. Oh yeah, it's their favorite game. Um, they love Vampire. Uh, every single edition, uh, also Requiem. Uh, they play it all the time. Uh, they also both hate Exalted. I'm gonna keep talking while they can't talk and they're muted because they're just putting little uh, squinty eyes. Side eyes in the, the chat. chat. <laughs> Uh, of course, all that was a lie. Our guests today are the Bone Experience podcast hosts. So we have Monica Specka, who y'all probably have heard from before. If you listen to this podcast, maybe you haven't. Maybe she's new to you. That's okay. Monica, say hi. Hi. Hello. Can you hello. hear me? Hello. Yes. Through okay? Great. Yeah. Uh, and our other guest today is her, is her co-host, uh, Ray W. Cole, also from Bone Experience. Nello. 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 I'm glad somebody was listening to us. Thank you, Ray. Thank you. Uh, we don't we don't have anything major on the agenda today, so we're just gonna talk. So if you two would like to talk a little bit about what your podcast is about, that would be awesome because we'd like to promote your podcast too. Can we remember the can we do the, the opening thing? Can you can remember <laughs> our own? Our own podcast opens because I bet I I bet I can do it. All right, I, I can, can do, do it. Do okay, okay, do it. Okay, all right, all right. Well, all right. Welcome to, uh, am I starting it? We. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> welcome. This is going so you well. Already yeah. lost. Uh, I'm, Bonus I'm experience really is a podcast with a deeper look at the play experience and the finer details of running and writing games, hosted by two queer women speaking with authority about games, and also we swear. I'm mad about it. Yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. important part. Yeah, well, we usually <laughs> alternate that, which is why I was like, who's starting it? Anyway. <laughs> hey, we also swear. So if you want to swear on this podcast, that's fine. Yeah, you can, you can die yeah. mad about it there, too. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've, I've been on your podcast recently. We did a crossover episode. This is the big uh, Onyx Pathcast Cast Experience crossover because both Monica mm. and Ray are freelancers for us. So they're freelancers, they have a podcast. Uh, Monica also hosts uh, an exalted podcast called The Systematic Understanding of Everything with another freelancer, Chaz. Is that what it's called? Yes, that is what it's called. Oh my God, I got it right. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> um, so if you're into exalted or you're into listening to Ray and Monica talk, you should go check out their podcast. So I have to ask, because this is always like the question that we ask people like how they get into gaming. I have to ask you two, how did you decide to do this podcast? What was the kind of impetus behind it? Oh boy. Oh this is boy. my favorite story. And it's really <laughs> Monica's. So I'll let yeah. Monica tell it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, um, uh, whoa, like three years ago, uh, maybe a little longer because we actually recorded a whole bunch and then we released it. Um, H was watching YouTube um, and was watching known YouTube quantity Matt Colville uh, oh, no. give GM advice. And I was like, why are you listening to this? 
This is <laughs> what well, it was like the advice that this person with, you know, several million followers was like, hey, did you know that if you talk to your players, they'll do what you ask them? Uh, yeah, mind blowing uh, advice from a person with a massive audience. Uh, and I was like, one, you're a really good GM. You don't need this milk toast dude to tell you what to do. And also, this guy has two million followers, and that's the advice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I got so mad that that was the quality of advice we expect from white dudes with a platform that I was like, no, I have to. I got to do my own show. And I angry texted Ray and was like, do you want to do a podcast? Do you want to do a podcast where we give good gaming advice? And that's what happened. Spite is like my number one motivator. So (laughs) she filled me in on all that. I was like, hell yeah, let's do this. Spite can be a really good motivator. I I am here for the spite origin story. Yeah, we are. We are guided by the spite fairy. <laughs> Actually, I'm not sure if I ever told you, but like half of the reason I'm in editing is uh, spite. Really oh, good. Yeah, no, uh, I was reading uh, a book series whose author I will not name because I don't want to be mean. Uh, but I was reading a well-known New York Times bestseller book series, and I got to book like eight or nine. I want to say it was it was it was it was well into the series, and. It was like, I'm, I'm assuming that the author got a new copy editor who hadn't read the previous books because a character's name was spelled wrong for three chapters. And also oh my God. some other terminology. It was a, it, it is a supernatural series. I will say that some other of the supernatural terminology was suddenly spelled differently. And I was like, is this a different thing? Because I had, you know, eight books of hearing it referred to a different way. And also with the character whose name was spelled differently, I was like, is this a new character? Why would they give a new character a name that's almost the exact same as the name of this other main character? I don't understand. And then I realized it was that character and they had just spelled his name wrong for three chapters. And then his name reverted back to being spelled correctly. And I I put the book down. I was like, I can do better than this. Jesus Christ. And then I went to college. I'm not even joking. (laughs) I also I imagine like it was like immediately you put the book down like got up went to college (laughs) I mean really though like that was the first um time that like I I'm one of those people growing up who never really like knew what they wanted to do with their life you know like some some people are like I want to be a writer I want to be a painter I want to you know study medicine and I was one of those people who was like I don't know I like art and reading and stuff I don't really know what I want to do with all that though and then I Found out how I could turn reading into a career. And anyway, Dixie, you would need five dots in craft, uh, specialty painting, to really take up as a profession. It's true. It's true. It's true. true. Yeah. I am making a reference for the sake of listeners to something that none of you are privy to. uh, (laughs) But on the subject subject of spite is something I am feeling quite spiteful about. (laughs) Anyway... But yeah, so, um, yeah, no, I, 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 I put that book down and I like thought about it for a little while and I kind of looked at my, my, my ex, my, my boyfriend at the time and was like, I could edit for a living. I'm, I'm good at finding typos. Like I'm, I'm, I'm actually good at this. And like, it's the first time I was like, I have a talent for something, you know, um, as opposed to just like a thing that I like to do as a hobby. And that was really cool. And I started editing and now I do it for a living and it's really exciting. And I write now, too, which is super weird. Yeah. Who knew? 
Um, so actually, um, related to that, uh, um, yeah. I'm curious. We, we talked about how the, the Bonus Experience podcast came about. Uh-huh. Um, how how did each of you guys decide? Hey, you know what? I think I'll bang my head against the RPG industry for a while and make that my life. That was my next question. But cool, if you want to be the host. <laughs> no. no, I'm just helping out. So. <laughs> right, go ahead. I, I know our, our listeners aren't familiar with uh, with you as much. They've 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 heard from oh. Monica before. So yeah, okay. Um, I actually. Got, I actually cut my teeth on an assignment from Monica. She was uh, developing the Scion Jumpstart. Uh-huh. And um, she knew that, well, at least from our work on bonus experience, she knew that I was like pretty passionate about writing one-shot adventures for my own like personal use. Yeah. And um, she was like, hey, do you want to do this? I was like, yeah. Yeah, I would love to do that. Um, and that's... Uh, that's really it. <laughs> I just, I just happened to know someone who was like, "Hey, do you want to try doing this?" Which uh, makes me extremely lucky. That's that's uh, common in I our industry, think, though. It, it really is. Yeah, and then I, and then I think from that assignment, uh, Matthew approached me for work on Vampire, which I am extremely knowledgeable of, and I a huge, tell. huge fan. <laughs> and um, <laughs> but I was like, "Oh, sweet." Someone I don't personally know wants to hire me. That's great. So I, you know, was like, yeah, I want to do that. And and then it just sort of snowballed from there. And now it's both a blessing and a curse. We usually ask our guests too how they got into role playing games in general, not not just working in the industry. So what's your uh, what's your history, Ray, with RPGs? Oh, um, in high school, I made friends with a couple of kids who played a lot of Changeling: The Dreaming, and they sold it to me as you play like these characters from fables and we tell stories together and you roll mm-hmm. dice. And my previous experience was uh, like in eighth grade, I attempted to play, I think it was second edition. I think it was <laughs> a really old Dungeons and Dragons that I did not right. deal with. And then they explained this to me as like, Oh, it's, you know, it's points on it's little dots on your sheet and you just roll, you know, 10 sided dice. And I was like, Oh, this is great. And from there it was a, now a two decade long love with uh, a love affair with uh, white wolf and now onyx path games awesome that's exciting i like hearing Absolutely. people that got into the industry with like our games it's kind of cool yeah know? totally yeah, yeah. To, like, I, I still have i still have a real soft spot for changeling the dreaming it's um it's my first yeah i totally i mean that's that's i think why i'm so drawn to vampires still it's because it's the first game that i played as like not a child i played a little bit of dnd when i was like seven but then high school vampire group was like my group and we had a lot of fun and i have a lot of nostalgia for it so i think that's why i i I still very much love the property even though i probably played it more than any other rpg over the years well i'm always fascinated by people who not necessarily their first role playing game the first role playing that kind of grabs them right um and how that shapes kind of their trajectory to a degree um, I was in I, no I, way influenced fashion and aesthetic-wise by no. Vampire the Masquerade. No, 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 no. You, you certainly in no way, shape, or form became a goth because of Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah, I, 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 I sprang fully formed like this. I, <laughs> I was born with black lipstick. Uh, <laughs> I don't even wear black lipstick, but okay. Right, yeah. Just, it, it, it's implied. It's parenthetical with black lipstick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it's like... Uh, uh, People of a certain age, like myself, um, generally speaking, you, most of their their connections are to D and D because, generally speaking, that was not 
the, the footprint it had in the industry is much larger than I think even now. Um, because it was the, we may play other games, but generally speaking, most people talked or, or worked through D&D. Um, but then uh, uh, I started to be of a generation where it's like, um, uh, uh, you know, maybe it's, uh, to me, it's like Marvel superheroes and cyberpunk were like the games I pretty much started on. Um, and while I played d and I didn't really play it regularly until third edition, which was almost two decades later. Uh, so um, hearing people who are now, getting excited and latching on to games that, like you said, that we work on is, is, is really kind of fascinating and exciting because yeah. it's the, oh, hey, you know, you have a, a, a deep connection to this. Um, I know I know Monica um, has very strong connections to Exalted, for example, and it's curious to see how that plays out. You know, Eddie, in a little while, like, like 20 years, there's going to be some 28, 30-year-old young person on a podcast, and we're all in our 50s and 60s, going... You know, the first game I really ever got into was Pugmire because my parents bought oh my it for god. me because it was family friendly. Oh my god, that that sounds terrifying. <laughs> Does it? Or does it sound awesome? Yeah, my- I mean, it's awesome too. But also, it's it's like the you know, yeah, I really love this game, and we did this stuff, and then me in the back of my head going, yes, but you played those rules wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, we always house ruled it. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh, that's funny. I love it. My first RPG was Exalted, which did not affect me at all. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, God, no. no yeah, all right. Not at all. All right. Nope. What's your Twitter handle, Monica? Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Zenith something? I think I played the game with either your first or certainly one of your long-running Exalted characters. Oh, Granted, yes. I was a pony at the time. Yes, the, the character I played in the oh in Danielle's... Oh, my God, I heard about that. Every RPG um, charity stream uh, was a long-running character, not my first character. Did we talk about okay. that on here? I thought we did. Did we? Um, I don't. I don't remember if we did or not. Actually, well, Danielle ran RPG Calvin Ball um, for yes. all of us, which is where we all made our characters with systems from different, like different systems, different settings, whatever. And then we put them all together in one game. And uh, like I was playing a character from the Silver Moon RPG, circa two thousand. Uh, and Eddie was playing a My Little Pony pony named Jack, who had no concept of death, which was very funny. Yes. Uh, and Monica alternated her characters, uh, but she did bring her her main uh, old school exalt in. And, and also, um, I kind of relate to that because um, I actually have been listening to Bonus Experience. I really, really enjoy the podcast. Yeah, it's, it's really the, good. It, it's one of the only RPG podcasts I listen to right now, actually. Oh. Um, and one of the things. Uh, I, I, I really loved is, is you continue to shout out uh, Iron Heroes, which is a game I thought nobody else had heard of except for me. So, I mean, can you tell me more about no, kind of how you Iron, wound up? Iron Heroes is a game I think about every two weeks. <laughs> and and that, that's so cool. I mean, what, 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 what grabbed you so much about that game? Uh, it wasn't, sure wasn't the fact that it was a D20 OGL game. Uh, <laughs> uh, right. I just really liked uh, both its implied setting of being like, it had almost almost like a prehistoric it has like a very weird spin on the idea of like a low fantasy no magic setting where like all the characters are martial types um like they mm-hmm. are all versions of person who, what uses weapon and their body there right. is no there is no wizard there is no sorcerer like there's no magic at all um 
And it does that without being, without doing like the Dark Sun thing where it's like, oh, magic is bad, actually. It's just like, no, this is a setting about playing people what fight. Uh, and like, and in a setting that was, was implied to be like ancient, but not like, but not like the way Exalted sort of does it and not in the way that like D&D sort of does it. I am having, because there isn't really like a setting chapter, there's like a paragraph and that's intentional. Um, right. Just like the, the suggestion of like, yes, this weird ancient place um, where there's like steel and shit, but like nothing else. Uh, and you fight each other and monsters have fun. Uh, and that's, that's it. And I kind of find settings that give you very little to be as evocative as settings that give you a whole lot. In fact, mm -hmm. like right. you give me too much setting. And at some point I stop caring, um, which I say as an exalted fan, like, okay, but there's so much in the exalted canon that I have forgotten about Yeah, <laughs> because I, I think it was on our show where I talked about, uh, when I got back to writing for Exalted, it was after a five to six year long break. Right, right, right. I was like, I'm mm -hmm. done with this. I'm never playing this game again. And so I deleted all of that deep lore out of my brain. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, and like, as a fan, not as a writer, there are parts of the setting that I don't care about. Because that's what you do when you're a fan. You don't have to love the whole thing. Uh, right. Like, if I'm running a game, I'm going to ignore those. If I'm writing for a book, I'm going to read up on them like crazy. Like, that's, those are two separate states of mind. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm very I, inspired by implied settings. The TLDR there. I can't keep anything in my head for very long, like, as, as far as, like, lore and, and stuff. Um, and so, like, every now and then, somebody will say something about, like, Vampire's Masquerade, for instance. They're like, yeah, it's always this way. And I'm like, oh, I forgot that entirely. Okay. <laughs> like earlier we were talking and, and Matthew mentioned uh one of the Lamian. I was like I was like, what's that? And he's like, Oh, it's part of the Hakata and I'm like, I forgot. I definitely <laughs> looked at the Hakata at some point. I don't remember anything about them. <laughs> on the other hand, sometimes I'm set off on a deep cut like it's my Manchurian candidate activation activation phrase and like I just remember something really weird, deep and specific and but but I'm like, the Southwest sure was a location, wasn't it? If Eric was like, can you name one city in the Southwest right now? I would be like, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but then if they were like, what about this one plot point from an adventure that existed years ago? And I was like, I remember all of that. So, <laughs> you know, brains are weird. And I just want to say, say the Jack of Hearts to you and see what happens. <laughs> uh, I'm not that Manchurian candidate, sorry. Okay, sorry. <laughs> like, is that an exalted reference? Because it has to be an exalted reference, Eddie. <laughs> you have to say the eagle. <laughs> the eagle. There that, we go. That's an exalted joke. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> so, <laughs> what um, what are you two both working on now that you're excited about? Well, I just talked a whole puppy. lot. Oh yeah, um, I hear a puppy. Bruce. Oh, I love Bruce. Bruce is—he's um, in a phase right now where if he wants something, he'll just yap like he's a little lap dog, and we're all really frustrated with it. 
and I apologize. He's going to be in the background going, I want snacks. So hey, just sort of. Eddie wrote Puck Meyer. <laughs> we can have dogs on this game or on the podcast yeah, on this okay. game. Um, uh, Bruce is an brand. old English bulldog. He's about uh, six months old now. Aww. Handsome lad. Yeah. But he's also just, he's a, such a fussy baby. Okay. Uh, what were we talking about? Things I'm excited about. <laughs> um, <laughs> not even things you're working on. Just things you're excited about. Just just list off some things. This is the Bruce Pascal. I have cast a lot cast of yarn. For, oh, okay. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, I'm very excited about the Scion Fiction Anthology, which has been announced, Yay! right? I could talk about that. <laughs> I'm very excited about that. Um, fiction writing is actually like my like core competency. As much as I love to do like narrative design and like setting write ups and shit for for the different game lines that I'm on, I fiction is at my heart. So I'm writing um, a pretty gay romance short story for the Scion Fiction Anthology. Um, I'm also very excited about um, uh, Exalted Essence Edition. Uh, we are getting into yeah. our next round of drafts and it's um, not only is it taking me out of my comfort zone, like I'm working on like, like systems and stuff. Like I didn't, I had never done that before, but also it's exalted essence edition. I'm, I'm really passionate about like just how, how great this version of exalted third is going to be. Um, Bruce is really excited about it too. Um, I mean, yeah. Oh, God, what else? What else is going on? I have so many projects that are just, like, kind of waiting. <laughs> I'm really excited for Dragon to come out. Um, yeah. I, did, I actually yeah. wrote the I wrote the RMCs for Dragon, so I'm very, very excited to see, like, how those look in print and how people feel about them. Um, I, I was really excited about Titanomachy. I'm very excited about... Uh, <laughs> I'm excited about the Tanamaki. It's going over really well overall. I'm still really excited about it. It's just, you know, it came with some baggage that I wasn't fully prepared for. Um, Sure. The, uh, yeah, I don't, I have so much going on that I'm, it's just, this is just me sitting like and trying to run through my (laughs) list. So now that I've given Monica a lot of time to think, I'm going to make her talk. (laughs) Okay. Let's look at what's on my whiteboard right now. Uh, I'm also working on the Cyan Anthology, so that's pretty cool. Um, my story is a Titanomachy tie-in, because of course it is. Why not? Uh, of course. Yeah. Um, so if you read that book, a bunch of the characters that are in the antagonist section um, are going to appear as characters in a story. Um, nice. And it is, in fact, about Titan Cylons doing the right thing against all odds um, and stopping people who are worse than them. So it's one of those stories. I it's love stuff like about- that, though. Yeah, me, it's me too. also about this one um, convenience stop that we've all decided to reference. In okay, that is okay. One Wait. paragraph. Neil told me about this earlier. <laughs> I have to Neil. I have to spoil this on the podcast because I think it's delightful whether okay. it stays in or not. I honestly like that... Steffi's going to be so confused when she sees all our drafts. So they have invented a Wawa sheets like convenience store chain, Seven Eleven. You know, whatever your cultural references called right. wait run run by frost giants called oh, no. nibbleheim oh god <laughs> and just and the nibbleheim is more specifically a sheets joke because nibbleheim uses uh norse characters in all of its branding 
the yeah, same we're, way we're, she's we're cramming like like f's and thorns into every word that we can find so this is a one-off joke in one paragraph in my story but but because ray named it and i was like this is just the funniest fucking thing it is everybody else has decided that they're gonna toss a reference to it in somewhere where it oh makes sense yeah no, it makes I, have, sense. I have i heard that not two hours ago and i cracked up and kept saying that's the best thing i've ever heard so uh, i yeah i have in a comment explained the joke for steffi who is not american so right yeah uh, I'm, I'm now sitting here with like okay well dawkins is in the like now is our chance to try to get an idea of like what's the british equivalent of a wawa or a sheets like do those exist across the pond no <laughs> uh, well, I, I would imagine if they did, it'd probably be in London. Um, I mean, that's the that's the city where everything happens, of course. What about the... what about Nando's? Is that a thing? Is there? Anything oh well, there? Nando's. Yeah, Nando's is a staple over here. Everyone has heard of a cheeky Nando's. Yeah, I've everyone heard everyone likes to what a cheeky like Nando's have a bit is. of a cheeky Nando. Mm. Yeah, a cheeky Nando's is uh, something you might be able to slyly get away with on a night out. Um, <laughs> you you can um, go a bit fruity with it, um, go a bit mangoey or lemony what? and limey, or you can go very hot and spicy with your cheeky Nando's, which comes with its own share of risks, but can ultimately lead to a satisfying conclusion for all parties. Okay, concerned. you're making this up, right? No, he's not. No. There's a Nando's no, near not. me. It's not just in England. No, I mean the li- the limey and lemony. <laughs> no, 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 no. You can, you can, get a Nando's. You can do that. Nope, nope. Yeah, <laughs> with uh, yeah. So, so um, for the for the listeners who, who have never heard of a Nando's, Nando's is a chicken restaurant, and uh, you yeah. can have your chicken spiced in a variety of ways, largely peri peri at various uh, heated degrees. But if uh, spice isn't really your thing, or hot spices aren't really your thing, you can also go for the more soothing mango flavoring, or yeah, lemon and lime, or. Uh, th- that kind of thing. I, I, we should be sponsored by Nando's. Let's add them to the list. <laughs> uh, we've I'm already got Nintendo. So much. Nintendo, this Nando's. A... Yeah. This is like a, cr- a cross cult. This is a cultural exchange program now. <laughs> Nando's yeah. is in the US. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been to one. I don't know what you're talking about. I can, I can almost walk to a Nando's from where I am right now. Like, it's I, not far. I, I think they're more of like. Uh, an East Coast city thing because that's the only time I've ever been to one. Hmm. Uh, well, I hmm. think I've definitely seen one in an American airport before. They they oh. they are the kind of restaurants that you are likely to find in airport. In an airport. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but I think uh, it's before Nando's came along. Very strange thing to talk about on the podcast, but there we go. Uh, before Nando's <laughs> came along, the only chicken restaurants we really had in the UK were Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, so huh. having chicken in a restaurant in a way other than deep fried and butchered in that way uh, was something of a novelty at the time. And I think people still haven't got over that novelty, which is why Nando's is so popular. Ultimately, huh. it's just chicken with spice on it which I think most people can do, but there we go. I think a lot of the appeal is you describe having a cheeky Nando's or a spicy Nando's, and Americans are like, that's fucking delightful, you funky little Brit. Like, we have no idea what you're saying. It makes no sense. I want to make that's fucking delightful, you funky little Brit, a catchphrase of the show. (laughs) 
I have never I've never in my life thought of Matthew as funky or little. <laughs> <laughs> so, well done, you have... funky little Brit. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. Oh, that was like one thing on my list of like six things that I'm working on. Oh right sorry. Now. <laughs> Sorry, we've moved on I mean, to Nando's Perry Perry. Um. <laughs> Nibble, Nibbleheim is a great joke, uh, and it is not the centerpiece of the story. It is a, it is where the inciting incident happens because my main character is at Nibbleheim eating a breakfast, spelled with the, um, <laughs> the, the I can't remember the name of that character. The the fuck the F, like in Nidhogger. You know, the, that D shape. Anyway, it's spelled like that. Muffin. Um, and here's an on the radio that, like, this disaster has happened. And that's the inciting incident of the whole thing. Uh, because in my uh, <laughs> in my notes, my outline to myself, I was just like, I don't know, have this set of the sheets or something. Because I, I set the whole story in sort of the general area that I live in. It was originally set in a city, and then I was like, I have never lived in one, so this is not going to come out well. And then I just changed the location. Plot's the same, though. Um, obviously, I'm working on Essence. I talk about that all the time. Um, looking forward to all those final drafts coming in. That'll be fun. Uh, and then the playtest, and that will also be fun, but a lot. Uh, I was helping out Eric with the uh, Devoted Companion. I jumped in on that at the last minute to do some some quick mechanical work. That was fun. That's going to be cool. Um, and I'm also working on Saints and Monsters, which is another Scion product that would be very cool. And I'm developing Once in Future. I'm very busy. <laughs> you are very busy. You are busy. <laughs> Did you mention Assassins? No, I also... Yeah, that's why I needed help with <laughs> Assassins, because right. I'm very busy. Did you mention Crucible? <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on Assassin's and Crucible. <laughs> we know more about Monica's workload than she does. <laughs> uh, yeah, Assassin's is almost done, and I just needed some help getting it to push through development, so we brought on right. uh, Violet to give me a hand with that. Um, and so that's underway, uh, and then Neil and I are reviewing the uh, approval notes for Crucible tomorrow. So that's exciting. That should be getting back through. And then I'm. we should see Crucible moving into post-development stuff very soon, I hope. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I'm actually glad we're talking about that tomorrow because originally we we're talking about that today. Yeah. And I was going to be to... on microphone for like 12 hours at that point. Yeah, because, it was also yeah. one more mic thing I was squeezing into my day too. And so Neil was like, can we do tomorrow? And I was like, yes, thank God, please. We can do tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, because yes. I have I, I have podcasts. I have another thing from like one to two, and then I would have had that from like five to six, like while I was making dinner probably. And then I have yeah. my vampire game at seven thirty. So it's like, yeah, yep. I don't wanna, I don't wanna do yep. it. <laughs> uh, I think that's everything. I think that's everything. Are you sure? Uh, no, <laughs> I'm not. But. <laughs> think that's everything monica's gonna pop up every like five minutes for the last little bit of this uh interview and just be like oh and this yeah right. oh i gotta go through the titanomachy errata too that that's the last thing yes yeah <sighs> so if people wanted to get into your podcast do you recommend they start at the beginning or do you is there a certain episode you recommend is there anything that you think people might need context for if they're gonna go check it out from here I mean, it's not a sequential show. Right. Um, 
and we're kind of pretty good about not getting too deep in the weeds with inside jokes. Mm -hmm. Uh, We aren't. We're bad at that now. (laughs) We just assume that if you're on episode, like, whatever this is, that you've listened to at least a couple of other ones. Because if someone chose... Although, I guess some of your listeners might jump in on this one, which would be interesting, because then... (laughs) distinctly possible oh no i just learned a lot about nandos (laughs) (laughs) and also video game errors which to be fair that's kind of our brand which is not talking about rpgs at all yeah i don't bring much to this show but i feel when i do bring something it comes with a certain amount of peri peri and and is often riddled with typos oh you funky brit Uh, funky little brit funky little brit i'm gonna make you a shirt (laughs) (laughs) and i won't wear it (laughs) so to to kind of answer the question um i think you can start anywhere because they're not sequential they're all basically one-off topics um i don't think we have any ones that are part one and part two but if they are they're labeled part one and part two and if that's the case maybe you should listen to those in order um (laughs) Our, our sound quality progressively improves because we didn't we just were doing it on our shoestring budget with stuff we had right uh, on the first episode um so please don't judge us too harshly for our only mediocre sound quality in the first like six episodes because after that then we we launched a co- we got a kofi and then people started giving us some money and then we launched a patreon and then we could like actually buy real equipment um and so there's there's a big jump we're like oh we had money so we bought some stuff thanks guys um nice but the the first episode is uh, is still pretty good. I think it holds up. Would you agree, Ray? It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I was actually nah. looking at like for for like an actual you know answer. Sorry, Monica. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, it's good. I can I can fill air. That's fine. In the um, Bruce Bruce has some opinions, but he doesn't. He Bruce doesn't hates agree, episode so one. Why he's. Um, <laughs> I actually, if you're looking for something in the more recent seasons, I think um, our episode on mechanics and our episode on traditional games are both pretty good examples of the kind of garbage that we put out for volunteered <laughs> cash. Um, I can't believe like people are just like, have some dollars for us like talking about this. Con- but Considering um, how ridiculous it was when I was on the live show the other day, I was like, what the hell right? is happening? It was so much fun, but what? One of the guests in our chat was even like, this is what we pay for. <laughs> so I think, <laughs> I guess it's like part of that is like the novelty. I don't know. That's but our brand. Our, My sticks. Is our brand. <laughs> our chaos is our brand. Dixie, your um, sticks. Season, season three, episode six, mechanics are inevitable. And season three, episode nine, what's a traditional game anyway? I recommend starting with those. Mm-hmm. If you're looking to get into the bonus experience experience. Yeah, they have seasons. We're not nearly that professional. No, we just relentlessly we grind on. Yeah, we just add new episodes. <laughs> we just decide it's a new season whenever we start a new year of recording. That's it. That's that's the secret. <laughs> Fair enough. Yep. Sure. Uh, <laughs> those we just record ourselves playing Mario Kart. Seasons aren't real and, and neither is time. Yeah. <laughs> time is not real, that's for sure. It's true. I discovered something interesting the other day about uh, yes. autumn or fall, as you Americans call it. We, we, that, we also say autumn. 
Well, fall is apparently the original. Autumn came later. The British adopted oh. autumn after you had exported fall with all of your Puritans. And <laughs> so we adopted autumn You're from welcome. French. I, I, I'm sure it's done well for you over there. Uh, but yeah, the... Um, <laughs> But yeah, apparently the French in, uh, introduced autumn to our shores somewhere in the 17th century or 18th century, and so we adopted it from there. Much the same as gotten is not an American invention, invention of course, because we had misbegotten, ill-gotten gains and things like right. that, and we just dropped it. Whereas you Americans, with your logic, decided to continue using it. Uh, well, we just shortened it to got, which is a lot less elegant, isn't it? Oh. So language is also not real is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, our, it's a construct, our... a figment. I, I honestly, after calling you a funky little Brit, I love hearing the derision <laughs> just dripping from your voice when you say, you Americans. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel quite isolated in, in this particular episode. Um, because the there's four time, of us? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but, and yet superior. That's the British well, way, right? Yeah, truly. <laughs> Straight, strangely isolated yet superior. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. How's, how's uh, Brexit going, Matthew? About as well as your presidency. <laughs> yeah, we, that's fair. It, that's fair. No, fair. We're we're living in like a glass castle right now. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're not you the glass menagerie. Absolutely. Listen to uh, season two, episode thirteen, playtesting with Jessica Hammer. Oh yeah! Oh my yeah, god, that was an really incredible good episode. episode. Yeah, Jessica Hammer is awesome. Y'all are way more confident in your podcast than I am in mine. I don't think I'd ever <laughs> look at one of our episodes and be like, "That was an incredible episode." I'm just like, "That one's okay." Well, that one was incredible purely because of Jessica Hammer. We just sat at the at the sidelines and went, "Wow, cool!" I'll look at it. I have not yeah, listened cool. to that one yet. I listen to y'all's podcast, but like, I just kind of grab random episodes that you know the title sounds cool. Yeah, it's same. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. We do try our best to write pretty snappy copy for our uh, episode titles. So I'm glad that I'm glad that some of them jump out. <laughs> yeah, we just make terrible jokes in ours all the time. Uh, so we have about 10 minutes left. So I would like to ask each of you the same question, uh, which is what are your favorite things about games or what's your favorite mechanic what's your favorite like is there something that always jumps out to you in a game monica oh i'm gonna have to think about this for a second also can you hear julia rooting around in our craft supplies no okay good <laughs> <laughs> like a little crafts possum <laughs> ray called you a little craft possum were you aware that <laughs> she made a face were you aware that the word sea urchin came because at the time people called hedgehogs urchins huh i did not know that that's, <gasps> that's adorable. adorable i know that's a very mm. cute fact i know use be using that in a role-playing game don't know how oh my god eddie that's where i can put hedgehogs and pugmire they can be street urchins <gasps> oh my god no for canis minor you know it's for canis minor that's true for canis minor that's fine yes but <laughs> Hedgehogs are street urchins. I'm totally doing this. Okay, cool. Anyway, go ahead. Nobody take my idea. That's copyrighted. That is a pun Original that, like, character do not people steal. Like, oh my god. <laughs> anyway. Uh, this is a very hard question for me to answer. Which is okay. my answer. <laughs> hey, well, let's, let's talk then about, like, what is your favorite... 
What is your favorite RPG setting and a why? I mean, I think we know the answer to that question, don't That's we? not Exalted. Oh. Okay, okay yeah. Uh, what is your right. favorite <laughs> not hard Exalted? Mode. Oh, hard, no, it's not hard. That's not hard mode. The answer's through the breach. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> what about it? <laughs> uh... So uh, let me let me see it back. The the Malifaux setting for Through the Breach is also pretty fucking cool, um, as it is a gothic horror meets steampunk meets weird west setting mm-hmm. that takes place in a parallel dimension to Earth, uh, discovered by like sorcerers and mages in like the 1700s who ripped open a portal, went through, established basically like. No, no, no! They meant to do it. Thank you, Julia. <laughs> it was intentional. They meant to do it. That was it was not an accident. Great! There are uh, now six people on this podcast. <laughs> she's helping. Ambrose. <laughs> Seven. Wow. Uh, where like they basically went through and was like, "Hey, this this other dimension has all these resources. Uh, magic is dying on Earth. There's this rare mineral that's under the ground called Soulstone that basically is like a magic battery. Let's just mine the shit out of it." Uh, the people, the people who live here won't mind, uh, and uh, <laughs> obviously they did. Um, and so, like the core thing is between, you know, all the factions of the world vying for this resource, um, and uh, then of course, you know, the the people and creatures that live there being like, "Hey, that's our stuff. You can't have it." Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, can you hear her? She's coming. She's adding to it. No, we can't hear her that <laughs> okay, well, so okay, she good. can stop. All right, all right, good. Uh, uh, that was and... me that I meant it to sound. I'm just like Julia. <laughs> Go she away. Can hear you. Uh, I know, but for the podcast listeners, it was me anyway. that I meant it to sound. <laughs> anyway, so uh, so like, there's this whole conflict over resources, but also like, uh, they've set up the like the city that they're that the humans are sort of crouching in and 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 occupying uh is also like a a frontier town so they you know people are invited to get on the train and go through this portal into this other world um and you surely won't die uh <laughs> baby come on <laughs> please you're not on this episode too. This this podcast has chaotic energy, and I like it. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I mean, you, you you invited us on. I don't know what to. <laughs> oh so no, you, I was you, I was pretty sure it was going to have chaotic energy. Anyway, you, Monica, you, you play a character who has, for whatever reason, chosen to leave Earthside, get on this train, go through this magical portal to this parallel dimension, and to like strike out on your own. Um. Maybe you're a person who works for the occupying military force that controls the city. Maybe you're a rogue magic user who has always had a talent for magic but can't really manifest it very well on Earth because magic sucks there. Uh, maybe you are a soldier of fortune looking to become a gun for hire. Like Maybe you're just a guy who runs a shop and you want to make money. That all, all those things happen, but when you cross through the the breach, literally the title of the game, uh, you go from being in a place that is non-magical to being a place that is, and so that fundamentally changes you. Um, sometimes it doesn't go well for people, but because you're a player character, you got through okay. Um, and 
by doing so, you become what's called Fated, which is just the name for being basically being a player character, mm-hmm. um, which then allows you to interact with the mechanics of the game where you can, it's a card-based system, and you basically have a hand of what are called cheat cards, and you can override the result of a flip by pulling out of your cheat hand to make it better. Um, and like that, that sort of ability to shift fortune in your favor is one of the magical properties of, of coming through and being important enough to be a player character in this world. Uh, That's cool. And it is very cool. Uh, and I really like like a Western aesthetic. I really like a Gothic horror aesthetic. Uh, and it's all of those things at the same time. Um, and it's, it's cool. It's a setting I really fucking like. Um, and sort of like Exalted in Creation uh, is one of those games with deep lore and as I've said before, I both I either like a totally implied setting or like a, a deep lore, and it's on the deep lore side of it. So mm-hmm. that's super I cool. Love, uh, I I love Malifaux as well. Just want to chime in to say uh, that through the breach and the Malifaux skirmish game are just fantastic. I completely echo what you're saying. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Resurrectionist faction, of course. Uh, Outcast, um, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems about right. Uh, when I when I used to play the skirmish game, it was always resurrectionists and never born for me. Uh, but it's um, it it's a beautiful setting as well, and the tabletop RPG has some wonderful art in that really evokes what the world is like through the breach. And yeah, it mixes that uh, sort of 19th century grave robbing, sort of uh, mist- misty moors with uh, with far west and all, all kinds of uh, lovely genres mashed together without feeling shoehorned. Yeah. Uh, so it, they, they narratively justify it incredibly well. And the natives of, uh, of the world of Malifaux the animated puppets and the weird creatures, Lovecraftian and otherwise, are just really captivating, both as antagonists and as uh, playable uh, creatures. So, Very cool. yeah, uh, big thumbs up from me on that one. That's awesome. There'll be a link to that in the show notes for anyone that is interested in looking that up, now that we've talked about. I, I, I used to play the skirmish game competitively in the second edition, uh, a thing I no longer have time for, and also, you know, everything else. Not, not going to game stores right. anytime lately. Uh, and mostly for Matthew's edification, I used to uh, main the Victorias, if that doesn't surprise you at all. Uh, see, I was a Nicodem uh, resurrectionist crew, obviously going around just killing people and resurrecting their corpses to use as my zombies, because that's very much on brand for me. <laughs> uh, and I lack imagination. <laughs> Uh, but I painted up my Nicodem to look like Baron Simidi from the Live and Let Die movie. So his top hat was white on one side, black on the other, and, you know, all duo-toned throughout. It was uh, quite nice. He, he, uh, had a, he had a terribly busted build at the end of second edition that was mm. immensely unfun to play against in uh, tournament play. And it was one of those, like, netlist things where if you could just copy it, even people without any talent could basically just steamroll everyone because it was... That's me. ...busted. Uh, and so I had to <laughs> quit playing the Victorias because they would just get 
rolled over by that particular list and started playing uh, Sonya instead to be like, ah, your your low defense, high willpower model is within 14 inches of me. Be a shame if something with three blasts happened to it. Uh, so, then, so unfortunately, I just switch over to being like, ah, explosions everywhere. But she's also one of my favorite characters, so I wasn't too mad about it. <laughs> I know um, to any listeners unfamiliar with Malifaux, some of this is going to seem very strange. But yeah, I'm I'm it's... totally zoned out. I don't know what you're talking. No, I'm, I'm I'm not. I just I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the the in a way, it's a fantastic design conceit. In others, it's a big source of frustration for me. If I'm playing the skirmish game, for instance, uh, that some factions are entirely unbalanced when compared to others, and it's to uh, it's to create a des- an imbalance by design. So, for instance, you've got a technologist style faction that can go around making constructs and sending robots after people very steampunk-esque and therefore if they are up against the my preferred faction for instance resurrectionists they leave no bodies for you to resurrect so you sort of lose one of the major weapons in your arsenal you immediately have to start re-strategizing and quite often at least going back to first edition there was not really any kind of um there, there wasn't any design in the game for you to be able to re-strategize around. But come second edition, everyone was made a bit better at all things. And yeah, again, it's a game I really recommend if people find the what what we've just been discussing appealing because it's it's a wonderful looking game. Very cool. So Ray, same question. Okay, um, I think I'm the only one in this room who has any knowledge of what of the game I want to talk about. So that'll probably mean I won't talk about it for as long. That's fine. Um, We're already at an hour. So I'm, whatever. I'm, um, I'm, I'm currently just so in love with uh, the setting of monster care squad from Sandy pug games. Okay. Um, I've talked about it a lot on my Twitter. Um, this is kind of a, a small, like indie production um, run by, uh, Liam Ginty, who was on Bonus Experience uh, for a bit, talking about another one of their games. Um, but Monster Care Squad is... That's the uh, Ghibli-inspired super... game, right? Yes, yes. Very Ghibli-inspired. Um, there is no combat in the... in this, Like, it's it's based on... Like, kind of loosely on the uh, Powered by the Apocalypse system. Okay. Um, but there's no combat. You don't actually deal damage to anyone the main conceit of the game is that you are basically fantasy veterinarians and you are healing the world's epic monsters like legendary creatures that use their magic or their abilities to safeguard the world and its people um but something very mysteriously has caused them all to get sick and you basically play as a member of these care squads that go around trying to help these monsters um, and the setting is is honestly so gorgeous and just a very like lushly realized through the the art they have, um, the uh, through the the setting write ups, um, and just like baked down into the system of like you're not here to hurt these monsters. Even if the monsters are like mad with pain, you're still here to help them. So you ha- like the 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 game is built around trying to discover what is causing them to be sick um how specifically to cure them and then actually delivering the cure and the cure doesn't even have to be you know like a potion or an injection or whatever sometimes it's like you have to like look into the history of this region and find 
the ceremonial dance that for some reason people haven't been performing and actually like find a way to perform the dance for this monster so it can like remember its history and actually like overcome the poison and it's just a it's just a very like very loving very cozy kind of a world um and it's kind of like at the opposite end of the spectrum for me as far as like settings that I'm really into like I go from like high-tech like gritty post cyberpunk all into you know cozy like ghibli pastorals um but it's 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 a i really like it it's just really sweet and i uh i actually was selected for their um their grant that they funded through their really successful kickstarter so i'm actually going to be writing a novella set in the world as well so cool i mean i'm i'm super into it yeah it's just a very i don't know it's a nice departure from the hellscape that is 2020 yeah, I, I have That's no awesome. idea what it's like to, to go from super dark horror games to light-hearted games. I think it's a pretty oh, yeah? fun concept to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm totally not looking at the game up right now because it sounds amazing, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I, I I did see that just because I, I, I follow some of the Sandy Puck folks. And um, I also follow you, Ray, so I probably saw it on yours, too. And, like, uh, it gives me some, like, Ryutama vibes which I also love. It's like a cozy narrative Ghibli type game. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I will, I will link to those in the, uh, in the show notes as well. If, if people want to care for monsters or just have some nice pastoral fun. <laughs> um, also, if you're interested in other games that uh, completely remove combat, I mean, it, I haven't found it on drive through yet, but I'm going to try to dig up the um, John silence RPG. Um, it's a game. It's it's predominantly features uh, people of color, um, but basically it takes uh, like old school D and D, but as opposed to hit points, you have heart points, and all of your attacks are different forms of debate and communication. So you, you use your attacks to actually try to get someone to recognize your side or to to you know uh, give up information. So it's all social combat. The whole game is social combat. There's no other kind of combat you can do. That's super cool. It's really interesting. Awesome. Well, this has been a fun episode. I liked having y'all on. Uh, I'll probably yeah. have you back on at some point because you're talking about some other project. Because that's what happens in this industry. We make new things when just, the things that we're making prepared. are done. <laughs> just be prepared for our brand of chaos to sort of yeah, just permeate <laughs> the whole experience. It was like what? a bonus experience. <laughs> bonus experience. A bonus experience. So, Monica, if people wanted to find you, follow you, where would they do so? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I am at Zenith Sun. What? <laughs> but you hate Exalted. <laughs> Ray, what about you? You can follow me on Twitter at Ray W. Cole. I am also at RayWCole.com. Awesome. Eddie? Uh, you can find me at PugSteady.com. And from there, you have links to all my social media accounts. Matthew? You can find me on matthewdawkins.com and likewise they can find all of my social media accounts there. Excellent. We are, as you can tell, we're doing the uh, big ending of the show right now because we're all in the same call for once as opposed to splicing in the interview. So you can find me at Dixie Cyanide. You can find us at theonyxpath.com for uh, updates and things of that nature to see all the projects that we're working on, get links to them, etc. And as always, many worlds, one pathcast. <laughs>